Turn with me in your Bibles, please, for our second reading to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 9. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 1. Hear now the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God. Hear, O Israel, thou art to pass over Jordan this day to go in to possess nations greater and mightier than thyself. Cities great and fenced up to heaven, a people great and tall, the children of the Anakim, whom thou knowest, and of whom thou hast heard say, Who can stand before the children of Anak? Understand therefore this day that the Lord thy God is he which goeth over before thee. As a consuming fire he shall destroy them, and he shall bring them out and destroy them quickly, as the Lord hath said unto thee. Speak not thou in thine heart after that the Lord thy God hath cast them out, From before thee, saying, For my righteousness the Lord hath brought me in to possess this land. But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord doth drive them out from before thee. Not for thy righteousness, or for the uprightness of thine heart, dost thou go to possess their land. But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. And that he may perform the word which the Lord swear unto thy fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Understand therefore that the Lord thy God giveth thee not this good land for, uh, or to possess it for thy righteousness, for thou art a stiff-necked people. Remember and forget not how thou provokest the, the Lord thy God to wrath in the wilderness from the day that thou didst depart out of the land of Egypt until ye came unto this place. Ye have been rebellious against the Lord. Also in Horeb ye provoked the Lord to wrath, so that the Lord was angry with you to have destroyed you. When I was gone up into the mount to receive the tables of stone, even the tables of the covenant which the Lord made with you, then I abode in the mount forty days and forty nights. I neither did eat bread nor drink water. And the Lord delivered me unto me two tables of stone written with the finger of God, And on them was written according to all the words which the Lord spake with you in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. And it came to pass at the end of forty days and forty nights that the Lord gave me the two tables of stone, even the tables of the covenant. And the Lord said unto me, Arise, get thee down quickly from hence, for thy people which thou hast brought forth out of Egypt have corrupted themselves, they are quickly turned aside out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten image. Furthermore, the Lord spake unto me, saying, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven, and I will make of thee a nation mightier and greater than they. So I turned and came down from The mount and the mount burned with fire, and the two tables of the covenant were in my two hands. And I looked, and behold, ye had sinned against the Lord your God, and had made you a molten calf. He had turned aside quickly 
out of the way which the Lord had commanded you. And I took the two tables and cast them out of my two hands and break them before your eyes. And I fell down before the Lord as at the first forty days and forty nights. I did neither eat bread nor drink water because of all your sins which ye sinned in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure wherewith the Lord was wroth against you to destroy you. But the Lord hearkened unto me at that time also. And the Lord was very angry with Aaron to have destroyed him. And I prayed for Aaron also at the, uh, also the same time. And I took your sin, the calf which he had made, and burnt it with fire and stamped it and ground it very small, even until it was small as dust. And I cast the dust thereof into the brook that descended out of the mount. And at Taberah and at Massah and at Kibrotatava. Ye provoked the Lord to wrath. Likewise, when the Lord sent you up from Kadesh Barnea, saying, Go up and possess the land which I have given you, then ye rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God, and ye believed him not, nor hearkened to his voice. Ye have been rebellious against the Lord from the day that I knew you. Thus I fell down before the Lord forty days and forty nights, as I fell down at the first Because the Lord had said he would destroy you. I prayed therefore unto the Lord and said. O Lord God destroy not thy people and thine inheritance. Which thou hast redeemed through thy greatness. Which thou hast brought forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Remember thy servants Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Look not unto the stubbornness of this people. Nor to their wickedness. Nor to their sin. Lest the land Whence thou broughtest us out, say, because the Lord was not able to bring them into the land which he promised them, and because he hated them, he hath brought them out to slay them in the wilderness. (coughs) Yet they are thy people and thine inheritance, which thou broughtest out by thy mighty power and by thy stretched out arm. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. There are some passages of scripture that we come to and we are reminded, are we not, especially in a chapter like this, what the Lord says about himself in Isaiah chapter 55, where he says, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. For as high as as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Why do we mention that at this juncture? Because Deuteronomy chapter 9 in its overview as a chapter is a direct assault against all of the vain philosophies of men who will tell you over and again when you're talking with someone if they're having trouble that the one thing you don't want to do is remind them of their shortcomings. The Lord seems to have no trouble bringing up past sins as a hedge against committing them again later. This is not what you would learn, let's say, in a seminary homiletics class. They wouldn't tell you to do this. They wouldn't tell you Now make sure you double down on the people's past sins. 
They would say, do that if you want to be alone next week in the church. But they wouldn't tell you that as a part of natural or what passes for understanding and preaching and so on. Because, you know, oh, come on, pastor, you're bringing me down. Isn't this behind us by now? May I say it is, in some cases, 40 years behind them. Yet the Lord is pleased by his servant Moses to bring it up again. The Apostle Paul, recounting his own labor as a Pharisee, will say, I am the chief of sinners. Let us remember that the Apostle Paul never forgot his past sins, but used them rightly toward humility. Well, this is, I think, what is being done here. The people of God are getting ready to enter into a land, and we've already heard in chapter 8 that they could be tempted with presumption. At the end of chapter 8, we hear, don't say my hand and the power of my might has gotten me this when, you're, when, you, when you've eaten and are full. Don't say that. It's the Lord that gives you power to get wealth. Remember that. It's not, it's not, it's not you. It's not your great righteousness. It's not your great prowess. It's me, says the Lord. And so, upon the heels of reminding them about presumption, he reminds them concerning their sin. That they would remember that they enter into the land of promise, not for their righteousness, but for God's mercy, and that alone. So in the first part of the chapter, then, the Lord tells them about the greatness of the land and the greatness of their coming conquest. It will be against the Anakim, the giants, the, rem- the, the remnants of the giants. We don't know much about the Anakim except to know that they were giant people like Goliath and so on. They were, you know, upwards of eight feet tall and probably four or five hundred pounds and agile and could throw and, and run and jump on people and kill them and slaughter them and tear down cities and all kinds of things that were fearful in that age. And so the Lord says, I will go before you. I will go before you as a consuming fire. I will destroy them and I will bring them down before your face and you will drive them out in this way. So shalt thou drive them out in that I will go before you and make that way for you. So in the first instance then they are told that it is God who goes before them to drive out the inhabitants. All right, so now they're going to get a look at those inhabitants. And notice the kindness and condescension of the Lord as he comes down to them and he reminds them of what they will see and what they'll be tempted to do. What will they see? They'll see a wicked people. These people were sacrificing their children to devils and other such such abominations, other such things. In fact, in chapter 12, just three chapters hence, we'll get there, the Lord will say, All of these things that they've done, don't you dare do them. And he'll list a number of things. And then at the end of chapter 12, (coughs) he will tell you what things soever I command you, you do that. You don't detract from it and you don't add to it. That's how chapter 12 ends. But he will talk about the whacked out worship practices that they did to their gods. So what will they be tempted to do? Oh, well, the Lord is displacing them because we're better than they are. That's the first thing that they will be tempted to think. And the Lord says, absolutely not. 
That is not why they're being removed from the land. They are being removed from the land for two reasons, God says, and two reasons only. The first reason is this, because of their own wickedness. Because of their own wickedness, they'll be scraped off of the land and you will replace them because of the gracious promise I made to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so it has nothing to do with the children of Israel and their inherent righteousness. And the Lord will go on then completely to disabuse them of that idea by reminding them of all of their rebellions along the way as they have come to this point. And he doesn't just say, you remember Kadesh Barnea. He doesn't just say that. He doesn't say, you remember Horeb. He doesn't just say that. No, he brings up Kibroth Hatava. You know what Kibroth Hatava means, right? The graves of weeping. Where they murmured against the Lord. The Lord slew so many of them that they had to stop right there and bury them. And they named that place Kibroth Hatava. Right? And several other stops along the way in the wilderness where they murmured against the Lord. And the Lord slew them and afflicted them. Gave them diseases and and all kinds of afflictions where they were chased by their enemies. The Lord is in this chapter thoroughly disabusing the Israelites of all presumption, of all self-righteousness, of all self-reward, of all deserving that they might see the land of promise as a gracious gift according to his covenant promise and themselves undeserving yet the true recipients of that gift. And sometimes, beloved, in order to get that point across, as in here in chapter 9, we need to be reminded of how many times we have sinned against the Lord, how many times we have rebelled against Him, how many times we have rebelled and then forgotten and extolled our virtues the next day. We don't remember objectively our behavior before the Lord. We put roses on it. We put that pink screen over it, don't we? So that it is, some, is a thing of beauty rather than what it truly is. So over and again then, the Lord will mention to them, bring up by way of remembrance their past sins. Tabera, Masa, Kibrot, Hatava, Kadesh, Barnea, all of those places. He will speak to them about what happened in the two instances when Moses was required to fall down before the Lord as a type of Christ and an intercessor that the Lord would not destroy them but would be gracious to them instead. And all of that so that they will remember that when they go into this land of promise and they receive a gracious gift from God, that they should not be presumptuous. Beloved, presumption is a wicked sin. Jesus himself was tempted with that sin. And when I say tempted, I mean tempted, although it found no home in him. The devil tempted him with presumption. When he said to him, cast yourself off of the pinnacle of the temple because he shall give his angels charge concerning thee and they shall bear thee up lest thou shouldst dash thyself against a stone. Quoting from Psalm 91. Jesus said in response, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Right? He would not presume 
upon the promises of God such that he is golden and it doesn't matter what he does. We talked about that a little bit ago, right? We are not fatalists. God works in godly means to a godly end. Thus ends the reading of Deuteronomy chapter 9.